Welcome to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Listen and grow as Dell questions the status quo, encourages you to think differently, and empowers you to make a better life. Get ready as Dell challenges core beliefs, seeks the truth, and reveals the roadmap to the lifestyle you really want. And now your host, multi-millionaire, national award-winning investor, CEO and founder of Lifestyles Unlimited, Del Wamsley. Welcome to the Del Wamsley Radio Show, where the hype ends and the help begins. I'm your host, Del Wamsley, and as always, we're working on your financial freedom. Friends, I don't know if you realize this or not, but there's cycles in life. Things seem to repeat themselves. And uh, we're starting to look like we're headed back into a recessional type period or a slowdown, or at least we're falling into a, into a situation where it's becoming a buyer's market in real estate as opposed to the seller's market. But one of the things that's also happening is that interest rates are rising, and we don't know how far they're going to take them up. It seems like everybody's saying that they're getting close to slowing down or they have slowed down on how fast they're taking up the interest rates, but we don't know that that's going to end. They said, uh, I heard yesterday that there's one more guaranteed increase later this year uh, by the Fed. So as interest rates go up, and if they continue to go up, it takes us back to the Jimmy Carter years when real estate interest rates were like 12%. And um, I have an email here about a guy who was talking about he can't get his arms around the interest rates right now. So I'm going to go through that email with you. I'm going to discuss that email, but then I'm going to discuss with you what happened during those times and what you're going to see. So the email says, um, okay, Turned over here. I'm sorry. Um, okay, here it is. Sorry about that. It says, it's one of these emails that I've gone back and forth with the guys, so it's kind of all over the place. I think I found the spot. Uh, I really want to jump into uh, investing at a higher level, but I need a better understanding of how typical strategy of starting with hard money, completing rehab, and refinancing into a conventional loan works in a higher interest rate environment. When I watch case studies from past couple years and see cash flows of two or $300, I think, how can a deal even make a couple hundred dollars at a 6% interest rate? That's the lead into what I was talking about here, is that if you grew up and you just started in this business in the last couple of years, you've never seen interest rates, you know, that were above four or five. You started out and they were twos and threes and fours, fives. They've come down from five, four, three, twos. And that's just not realistic interest rates. You just don't understand that. You have no perspective of what interest rates are. Traditionally, interest rates have been about 9% over my lifetime. That was the traditional interest rate. When I grew up, that's what it was forever. And when Jimmy Carter got into office, it went up to 12%. And then eventually, um, this guy writes me back after I tell him, he said, his dad, God, he says, it's crazy that my dad told me interest rates hit 18% in, 2000, in 1981, which is insane. I think once I see the math you're talking about, I'll understand why it still works. So I grew up in the interest rates that were in 12%. That's where I got started in real estate investing and properties cash flow $200 a month. When interest rates went down and prices went up, the cash flows actually went up. We had cash flows four, five, and 600 have been average for years now on these deals. 
Now that they're gone back down because interest rates are going up, the cash flow percentage on these things has gone down a little bit. Um, the only way you're going to make that up is by buying at a lower price, which is starting to happen. People are starting to sell their properties at a more realistic price. The the stuff that has influenced prices, which is the cost of building, um, the cost of interest to buy the properties, um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, those costs, property tax increases, insurance increases, I left out two of the main ones, um, those costs are making these properties less and less valuable to the owners. And so the prices have to go down. So as the prices go down to sell, now, by the way, not to people who already own them because you already got an interest rate. If you're locked in at an interest rate, interest rate increases don't bother you at all unless you have done something stupid like get a short-term loan with adjustable rate interest. Uh, we'll get into that. Well, we've been into that before. We'll get into that another time. But if you've got the typical single-family house out there and you've got a 30-year mortgage on it, whatever you locked in, that's it. You're done. It's, it's guaranteed money for for almost life if you start anywhere in your 30s or 40s or 50s in this business. You've got business. You've got interests that's going to be great for the rest of your life. But what you don't understand is as the interest rates go up, the prices go down, and so there is a counter-effect, counter-effect here, uh, on what the total payment is, while as the rents are still relatively high, and when I say relatively high, in that they're not going up as fast as they were going up a year or two ago, they're still going up. If it were to become very recessional, they may stay the same and not go up, and there's even the possibility they may go down a little bit. But as they go down a little bit, you know, what you're going to find is that the prices of these properties is also going to go down. So as we look at this thing and we think about it, we're, we're, we're talking about a situation where the deals we have been doing, and I brought someone on the other day to actually go over this with you, and it was on the radio so you can look it up. I don't remember which day it was or which podcast it was. But there is a podcast there of one of the shows I had a guy, a hard money lender on, and he's saying they're having great, doing great deals with lots of cash flow and lots of profit. It's not a problem for us to get good deals right now. It's hard for this guy to understand it because he's never seen a 5% interest rate out there or a 6 or a 7 or an 8. But I'm telling you, 9 when interest rates came down to 9 from 12, we thought the world had changed. Someone had hung the moon. And when they went from 9 to 8, we were like, this is the easiest way to make money I've ever seen. This is unbelievable. When they went to 7, it's like, give me more of this drug. Now, having said that, there's something else that needs to be discussed. And that is, if interest rates were to go all the way back up to 12 again, which I don't see happening, but let's just say they did. What happened back in that time, back in that recession, the 87 recession, 88 recession, whatever it was, People started thinking, wow, if you can get a mortgage for 12%, I wouldn't mind earning 12%. And so these seminar gurus came out with all these scam seminars. And I'm just going to tell you what the scam is. And I'm going to tell you, they've done everything they could do to make this illegal. They were techniques that were used by people who really didn't care if they ripped somebody else off. Many people who 
on purpose, instinctually wanted to rip people off. And they even bragged about how they'd rip people off. And these courses that taught these things, these real estate seminar guru courses taught all this stuff, uh, basically were bragging about in the seminar that you could get away with doing this stuff. So let's talk about what they did. The concepts that we're going to talk about today are three. Owner finance, contract for deed, and lease purchase agreements. These are all three really, really heavily used in the 80s type techniques. So let's start with owner finance. That one's pretty obvious. You got a property, you go to try to sell it. It's in a bad part of town. The people who live in a bad part of town do not have the ability to get the the credit, don't have credit, don't have a down payment, don't have a way to buy your house. And anybody who's willing to go for an owner finance deal or arrangement is, in general, a bad risk. But that was never taught. That was never relevant. What was relevant was that was probably a good thing that they were a terrible risk. I'll get to that in a second. So what you would do is you would sell them the house on a contract, um, owner finance. You would owner finance the sale. And they would own the house. You would take back a mortgage just like a mortgage company, but you might, you know, make it 12% interest. And the idea was if you do this, if you sell the house that way, you can get the price you want, very high price, way more than what it's actually worth on the open market. There's first set, first step of ripping somebody off. Secondly, in this situation, unlike renting it, you don't have to do any maintenance and repair. You're leaving that to be the tenant's responsibility or the buyer's responsibility. And, oh, by the way, many times you would sell a house that was in such disrepair it wouldn't qualify for a mortgage. But you're selling to some poor fool that would say, well, I can fix it up because, you know, I'm a maintenance guy or I'm a this or I'm a that. And I get some of my buddies over here, my family over here, and we'll fix this thing up, which, by the way, they never did. Now, why is all that important to you? You say, well, I've sold the home. I don't really care what they do to it anymore. That was the theory. But the back half of the theory was was the fact you're going to get the house back because they will. Remember, they got bad credit. They are a bad credit risk, which means they will. Not if, it's when they will default on their payments. And when they default on their payments, now you've lost a home. Can't evict them because they're not tenants, they're owners. So you foreclose on them, and that takes a long time. Cost you a lot of money to do that, maybe 60 days, 90 days, maybe even more in some states, maybe six months in some states, to get them out of there. Right. So now you foreclose them, now you own the house. You go back in there, and the house is destroyed, number one, because they were bad, dirty people in the first place. Number two, even if they weren't, by the time you foreclosed on them and kicked them out of their home now, it's their home you're taking and stealing back from them after they've made you payments and given you money and whatever, blah, blah, blah. And thirdly, they might have done some of that illegal construction, which now you have to tear apart and go back and either repair what they did or... uh, spend the money to make what they did code, you know, just so now you're really in trouble because remember you sold the house because you didn't have the money to mess with it. You didn't want to, you didn't want to deal with it. You wanted out of it. You wanted out of your mind, out of your head, everything. So now you got this complete piece of garbage, right? And you don't know what to do with it. And you then say, well, 
I can't sell it in the open market. And selling it to them didn't work. There's got to be another way. Well, along comes the real estate gurus, and they talk to you about a thing called contract for deed, and they talk to you about a thing called lease purchase agreements. I want to cover both of those here today because they're even more of a scam than owner financing. Point make before we go on to those two is owner financing is bad for another reason. Let me explain to you why. If everything I teach you is that leverage is the way to get rich, in other words, using other people's money, you go out there and borrow money to buy real estate to get rich with it. If leverage is the way to get rich, then you being the bank is exactly opposite that. Instead of you borrowing money to get rich, you're lending money to somebody else to use to get rich. If this property goes up in value, you don't get any part of it. If the property goes down in value and you foreclose, you're stuck with a piece of garbage. You lose both ways. There's even an additional problem. And that problem is that all the money you earn by selling the house this way is ordinary income, and you get taxed at the highest tax rate you can possibly be taxed at. Everything about this transaction is the wrong way to do real estate. Yet it is one of and has been one of the most famous ways to do real estate for years, forever and ever and ever. Take a short break. Be right back with the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. to creating the lifestyle you really want. Keep listening. The Dell Wamsley Radio Show returns in moments. Dell Wamsley on the economy and politics. What happens if the economy turns around and goes back down now the Democrats are in power or inflation becomes rampant and all of a sudden it becomes very difficult to do business? I was listening to an economist the other day and he pulled out this chart of GDP. He said, look, here's what I want you to do. He said, tell me anywhere from 1950 to 2021 where the Democrats took power and where the Republicans took power. He said, point it out for me. And the truth of the matter is you can't tell. If you're sitting on the sidelines waiting to see what the politicians are going to do or waiting to see what the economy is going to do, if you're trying to predict the future, stop. Politicians and the economy have no bearing on your success or failure. Only you do. Register for the next live online free workshop. We'll unfold the map to retirement in five years or less, regardless of what's going on in the world. It's the same proven strategies we've been using for 30 years through every political party and economic cycle you can think of. Register at lifestylesunlimitedworkshop.com. You're hearing the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Want more life-changing knowledge? Access our podcast and listen on demand at lifestylesunlimited.com under the radio tab. Now your host, Dell Wamsley. Welcome back to Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Today we're discussing alternate ways of doing real estate that popped up in the 80s. 
uh, back when interest rates were really, really high and people thought that it was almost impossible to sell their homes. So they looked at three different alternatives that came out by the real estate guru world back then. One of them is, co- is owner finance. One of them is contract for deed and the other one is lease purchase agreement. Now we've discussed the, co- the owner finance and you can see that owner finance is bad in many, many ways. I think it was probably like five different things I brought up. One is they're going to destroy the house. If you ever get it back because you have to foreclose, your house will be destroyed. Number two, they won't make the payments because usually the people that do uh, owner financing, the people who can't get regular financing at better rates, better situation. Uh, number three, they've got very little down usually as an owner finance deal, but even if they do, um, there's still the very high possibility they're not going to pay. Number four, they might do illegal construction onto the house, and if you have to take it back, you're going to be stuck with all that stuff. Uh, number four, if the value of the property goes up, you don't get any of the value increase. Number five, if the value of the property goes down and you have to take it back, you get all the value decrease. And number six, every penny that you get paid on the towards this house is ordinary income, and you have to pay ordinary income taxes on it at whatever highest rate you're possibly in, as opposed to if it was a tenant, you wouldn't be paying taxes on that money. You would be getting that money um, tax-deferred at at least. So... There were a lot of negatives to owner finance. People got destroyed. They'd get the houses back. And, you know, they didn't have a nice home. Say you have a $200,000 home and you sell it to somebody. And they pay payments for about a year, year and a half. And you get it back and it's destroyed. Because remember who these people are. They can't get regular financing because they belong to what we call the purple Martian part of our society. Purple standing for any color. doesn't matter what color, race, education, nationality, sex, race, gender, claim gender, and none of it means anything. That's what purple means. Martians mean, oh my God, they're from a different world. They have none of the same social values you do, none of the respect for property rights that you do, no values that you owe people money and you should pay your debt, none of that stuff. They just believe I got to get what I want and I want it now and I'm going to get it by saying whatever I have to say and sign whatever I have to sign because the rules don't apply to me. Laws don't apply to me. Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Now you can pick whatever um, group of people you want to tag to that, you know, and whether you have a political tag you want to put to those people or whatever kind of tag you want, that's you putting that tag on there, not me. I'm saying I've run into these people of all kinds over and over my entire life. I call them purple Martians. So that's the problem. So they needed a way, and by the way, it might take anywhere from two to six months to get them out of there. Once they once they stop paying you, right, because they own the house, you're a mortgage company. And so just like the mortgage company has to go through, jump through all these hoops to foreclose on the house, you have to jump through all these hoops to foreclose on this new owner that you sold the house to. So they came out with a, a, a new theory and they called it contract for deed. And the theory behind this was that you're not really selling them the house. They don't own the house. You're setting up a contract with them that says, if you make me 360 payments, or whatever you set it up to be, on a timely basis at the amount specified, then you have completed the contract. At the time you complete the contract, I will sign the deed over to you and you will be the owner. You will not owe me any more money. That's you complete the contract, you own the house. Well, that was what the real estate gurus would tell you to say. But the, the scam behind it, what they would also tell you is, is no one's going to finish that contract. 
because the people you're going to get to sign a contract for deed are not smart people. They're not people in control of their lives. The odds of them completing that contract are almost nil, almost none. I would, I'd bet if you looked at over the, you know, the 50 years that I've been alive, I'm 66, and 66 years I've been alive, they've been doing that stuff. I bet you less than 5% of the people ever completed one of those contracts. It's very small. So the idea was, that was the idea, that they wouldn't complete it, but because they didn't own the house, the way the contract was set up, it said if you don't make the payments because you're not an owner, you default to a being a tenant and as a tenant, I can evict you. And like in Houston, that used to only take like 10 days, 15 days. You could get them out of there. Now it's much longer in Houston. But it was very, very short, and you could get them right out of there. So the contract for deed was a way to circumvent the ownership rights and be able to get the property back quicker. It didn't solve any of the other problems, however. You follow me? You still didn't get any of the upside of value. You got all the downside if they destroyed the property, all the damages they did to it, and all the repairs that you thought they would do because they were owners. Remember, you, you wanted to sell this because you didn't want to do the repairs. All the repairs you thought they would do, they never did. You now inherit all those problems. You inherit everything they've done to the place to destroy it more. If the, Now the property's gone down in value. You inherited it at a lower value. You now have to pay all the back taxes they never paid. Um, go on and on and on. And that's it. I mean, it's just a terrible situation. You get it back and you've lost a lot of money. But the real problem was is that it was a scam. And it was a scam in that everybody knew it was a scam. The police knew it was a scam. The government knew it was a scam. Politicians knew it was a scam. Everybody knew it was a scam. It was just one of those acceptable ripoffs in life. You go ahead and do this, and hey, we're helping poor people, we're helping people with bad credit get housing, get a place to live. And if they do this contract, they're going to own this place. They're not tenants then. Well, they are tenants until they finish the contract. And so, again, another really bad idea that people ended up losing their shirt on over and over and over again. I've I've been doing this now for teaching now and been on the radio now teaching for 33 years. I've been yelling this stuff for 33 years. I don't see this stuff going on that much anymore. It's kind of a a theory that I've been able to scream about loud enough that enough people have realized it's a bad idea. Um, And then there's also the legal ramifications that they've done. And by the way, if you can't listen to this thing, get the podcast, because at the end, I'm going to tell you what the, the government did to stop this stuff and why you see so little of it anymore. Okay, so the next thing they came up with was something called a lease purchase agreement. Now, the lease purchase agreement took care of one more problem. Um, The problem was is that while you were getting this money on this contract for deed, it was all earned income. But now, if you had a lease with a contract to buy, a lease with a purchase agreement tied to it, they were just tenants. So you still got all the benefits of a landlord. You got the tax advantages of being able to write off the depreciation and cover the income and not pay taxes on the income. You got all the upside value because if the value went up, you got the upside value. If the value went down, if they bought it, they got the downside value. But if they didn't buy it, you got the downside value like you always would. But the biggest thing is that now they were tenants. You could evict them immediately if they didn't pay. And you didn't have to worry about 
you know, really any damages other than the natural tenant type damages because they didn't have the rights to build something. They didn't have the rights to change something. They didn't have the rights to change the color, to paint it purple, paint it yellow, do weird stuff with it, tear stuff out, put stuff in. As a tenant, they don't have any of those rights. When tenants would come to me and say, well, can I buy the house? I said, sure, if you want to buy it right now, go ahead. And, well, I really can't buy right now. Is there some way we could work out a deal where if I move in as a tenant, I could buy it in the future? And they were really asking, can I get a lease purchase agreement or contract for deed uh, is what they were asking for or owner finance. And I said, uh, yeah, sure. I'll tell you what, you can buy it anytime you want. You just let me know you want to buy it. You send me a note. You want to buy it, and uh, we'll go ahead and get an appraisal. You get a mortgage. Uh, you go to the, you know, the finance guy. I'll even give you a finance guy to go to. And... Uh, We'll pull your credit report and find out if you get a loan. If you can get a loan, and we'll just get an appraisal. I'll sell it to you for what it's worth. So anytime you want to buy it. Well, there was no contract that said that, but it was a handshake agreement that I would really do if they wanted to do. Whenever they wanted to buy it, I'd sell it to them. They never really, you know, I'd ask them, do you want to buy it now? You want to buy it? They never really wanted to buy it. They really wanted you to do something like let them tie you up in some type of a contract where they can say they own the house. That way they can take and get, you know, all these home ownership benefits that you would get on your taxes and so forth. And we would lose all of our landlord benefits on the taxes. And so I just would never let them do that. I just never fell into that trap. And as a lease purchase agreement, the way it said you could get them out, if they stopped paying, they were tenants, you just evict them. So that was easy enough to do, even on a lease purchase agreement. Um, but what happened that made all this not work anymore was that Texas, and I don't know what the rest of the country has done, but in Texas, they finally said, "There's this has got to stop. I mean, people are buying these houses, paying uh, quote-unquote mortgage payments on them, although they weren't mortgage payments. They were contract for deed payments or at least purchase agreement payments or whatever. Um, they would pay all these payments, and then the landlord would say, hey, you missed one payment, I'm kicking you out, and boom, he'd evict them. And then turn around, put the thing back on the market and do it again over and over and over again. And people who thought they were buying homes really were just tenants and uh, they didn't have any real rights. So the government, Texas state, made a law. Don't know what the number it is. You can look it up. Uh, it's a long time ago they did this, but they came up with a law that said anybody who has a contract for deed has ownership rights in the property. Anybody that has a lease purchase agreement has ownership rights in the property. And you cannot evict them like a tenant. You have to, um, you have to foreclose on them, which is the long process of getting them out, which gives them ownership rights. Then people tried to get around that by just having a lease, a long-term lease. I'll give you a 30-year lease. You, you can stay here for 30 years on this lease, whatever. Well, then they made the deal, well, if you have a lease two years or longer, have a lease purchase agreement of any type or a contract for deed of any type, then you have ownership rights and they can't evict you. So people were putting these people in long-term leases, telling them that that's like ownership. And so all of a sudden, everybody in the state of Texas, every apartment complex, Every house owner had to change their leases because everybody wanted long-term leases. And now a lease had to be less than two years. So the way the Texas Apartment Association changed their lease is said, okay, no lease shall be longer than one year, nor have an extension longer than one year. 
So in other words, the leases, the contract for the lease was only a one-year lease. So it wasn't a two- or more-year lease. It had an extension possibility of one year, which meant they could possibly live in the unit up to two years, but there was no extension of lease rights past two years. You couldn't renew the lease a third year. What you could do is sign a new lease. And the concept was, okay, every two years, I'm going to go face to face with my tenant and say, hey, you don't own this house. I own this house. If you want to stay here, you have to sign a new lease. And that's the way the law got set up for all of you who are looking at the Texas Apartment Association leases or the Houston Apartment uh, Real Estate, the Realtors Association of Texas. Any of those leases are all set up like that because of this law. Well, that eliminated the, really the benefit to these contract for deed ripoffs and these lease purchase ripoffs. And so these things kind of disappeared. But what I was doing was not either of those. What I was saying to a person, whenever they say, can I buy this house? I was saying, yeah. And I meant it. You want to buy it? I'll let you buy it. We'll go and I'll tell them, we'll go get an appraisal. You go get a mortgage. I'm not going to own or finance it. There's no way. But if you can get a mortgage, I'll get an appraisal and I'll sell it to you for whatever it's worth. I won't sell it to you for more. I won't rip you off. I'll sell it to you for exactly what it's worth. Now, if it goes up $20,000 by the time you've been living here for a while, you're going to pay $20,000 more. So if you want to buy it, your best situation is to buy it just as soon as you possibly can uh, because the price is going to be lower the sooner you buy it. Hence, there was no such, no lies, no misrepresentation, no taking advantage of people. Yet, long story comes down, or the whole thing comes down to one long story. Had a guy that came to Lifestyles one time. He was a furniture salesman for a big box furniture store. I won't say which one because he might still live here. Uh, this is many years ago. Came to my seminar, sat in the back of the room and fell asleep. I leased him a house for 11 years, and then I ended up selling him the house. He wouldn't have slept through the seminar. He would have bought the house up front. Have a great day, and remember, it's not the money. It's the lifestyle. Listening to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Want more of Dell's unconventional wisdom? Go to lifestylesunlimited.com and click the radio tab. Listen to past shows, hear podcasts on demand, and find out how you can change your life today. The Dell Wamsley Radio Show is part of the Lifestyles Unlimited Radio Network. The information and opinions you hear on the Dell Wamsley Radio Show are those of the host, Dell Wamsley, his guests, and his callers, and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of this station, its affiliates, its management, or advertisers. The Dell Wamsley Show is for entertainment purposes only. Please consult a professional regarding your personal investment needs. Nothing presented on the Dell Wamsley Show constitutes an endorsement, recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any product or security.